Go with me in your Bible to Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians, the first chapter. Today I want to continue a series we began a few weeks ago. This series is entitled, It's Already Done. This is a a Bible truth that, unfortunately, not many Christians understand. But we're not going to be among them that don't. (laughs) We are coming up higher, and the, the Lord is blessing us with favor, with increase of revelation and understanding. And how many know the more that you know, and I say that the more truth that you know, the more you will be free. The, the more we believe something that's incorrect or untrue, the more bondage we live in. All right. We could say it this way. If we are bound up in any area of our life, that's a direct indication that we are believing something that's not true. Because when you know truth... Bam, now you're free in that area of your life. And so the Lord is faithful to help us uh, in regards to this. Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 reads, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And we've been noting to you from this, this text that the word blessed is past tense, and that that He has blessed us. And in order for us to walk present tense in the blessing of God, we must know what already is and not push it off into the future. There are future events in God's calendar, in God's plan. There are things that will happen, but what we must be deeply rooted and established in is what has already happened. What has already been finished, what has been accomplished in God's great plan of redemption. And the reality of this truth escapes so many that they put off to heaven. They put off into the future or to God's plan someday that in the sweet by and by something might come and and fix my life and my prayer will be answered. But these things are just not accurate according to the New Testament. We see again and again and again that there is a past tense reality of God's blessing, of His provision, of um, our deliverance, of our freedom in this life. And no matter what you and I are experiencing right here today, that doesn't change God's Word. See, I don't ever want to take my experience and what I see and feel or what Aunt so-and-so said or what Grandma experienced and override the Word of God with that. See, those things are experiences. They're based upon many different factors, including what degree of truth that person walked in. Or what degree of truth you walk in today. But the word of God is unchangeable. It is forever settled in heaven. And so we can change the word with our situation. Or we can change our situation with the word. And really, uh, if you think about it, everything we see and feel in life is changeable. It is, and I, I, I don't, I'm not limiting that to what has been diagnosed as changeable. Some things people say, well, this can't be fixed. Well, there's no cure for this. There's no solution for this. This hole is too deep. You'll never get out of that. Well, if it's in the physical world, it can change. All right, what can't change, like I already said, is what God has said. What Jesus has already done can never be undone. 
And if we will begin to base our lives upon the finished work of the cross and, and acknowledge and put our faith to this, that it already is done, then things in the physical realm start to change. They start to, they start to be altered. Praise the Lord. Uh, go with me to Colossians chapter 2. Just a short turn to the right. Drive past Philippi. Take exit 210 at Colossae. And let's see this principle a little bit more. I want to drive this home some more today. I want you to recognize that this particular truth that I'm teaching, uh, even if it's new to you, this is not based upon a half a verse of Scripture somewhere. This is not something we pulled out and, you know, after pastor's been preaching for year after year, he's got to come up with something new. <laughs> and so we figured out a new message. Not at all. This is basic, foundational, New Testament reality that so many of us miss. Okay. Colossians 2, verse 10. That's the 210 exit, in case you didn't get that. Uh, it says, and you are complete in him who is the head of all principality and power. Notice that language. You are not going to be, but you what? Are. There's a big difference in those two statements, right? If we are, are we going to be complete in him? Or does the Bible say that we are complete in him? See, if I am complete then there is nothing incomplete. There is nothing left to do. There is nothing left unfinished. In other words, God's work in my life, now watch, this is this will tilt some heads, but it's done. Okay? Now when I say that, we know there are different parts to the to the Fit to the makeup of a human being that we are spirit, soul, and body. And I know my body being made glorified like the body of Jesus is a yet-to-come thing. I'm aware that my mind is in a process. The, the, the renewal of my mind is in a process. But the Bible seems to focus on, a New Testament revelation focuses on the part that is, not on identifying, shining the light on everything that's not. And if we will adapt the same focus and get our minds and hearts filled with what is done, that will help with everything else. That is an ongoing thing. And so uh, we are complete in Him. So again, I want to ask questions like this. Are we without God and all of His power and resources? Or has He placed all of this in our spirit at the point of salvation. Is he holding back. Or has he given us his all. Is he reserving some. Until we prove worthy. And then he'll pour out. And then he'll complete the task. Or did he finish the work. At the very moment. We called upon the name of the Lord. Okay. And though it might not be a physical reality or you might not be consciously aware of it you're already done it's time to come out of the oven <laughs> you're already finished god completed the work in you you are a if you're if you're saved now 
you had a salvation experience, you are a completed work. You are a completed person in God. Righteous, holy, healed, strong, full of joy, victory. Amen. This word, complete, means having all the necessary or appropriate parts. If I have all the necessary and appropriate parts, that means there are no parts lacking. That means I don't have to seek God to add more parts to me. Should we consider ourselves to be in need, lacking? Um, you know, God doesn't, He's not like a lot of us as far as projects go. I, I don't, I'm not saying that you are one of these, but there's probably a few in the house. Projects around the house, projects in the garage, projects in the... Uh, closet, <laughs> some of them you started five years ago, some of them you started two years ago, some of them, you know, just a lot of unfinished stuff. Again, if that's not you, just fine. And if it is you, just look straight ahead. Uh, but we a lot of oftentimes start something and don't finish it. That's not the way God is. He doesn't have a bunch of unfinished business, unfinished projects. Jesus came with an intent, with a, with a purpose, to redeem our lives completely, to make us strong, to make us whole, to make, clean, our, clean us up, to give us new life. And you know what? <laughs> he finished the job. He, before he left, he cleaned it all out, fixed it all up, got the job done. He didn't just get it started and say, you know what? <laughs> I'll be back. Well, he did say, I'll be back. But <laughs> as far as the work of redemption goes, he totally accomplished what he came to do. And, uh, and, and, and not like so many times that we do things. See, there are no part Christians. God doesn't make those. When you made Jesus the Lord of your life, 100% done. Just like that. A complete and full child of God. So again, should we sing about our need should we cry out to the lord say lord i need i need well how do you view yourself as a needy person or as a full person do you believe that when god came into your life jesus became your lord that god put all of his power he put all of his resources inside of you and you are a finished product if not, if you don't recognize that, you'll continually cry out for more. And that, that, that leaves so many Christians uh, almost looking like beggars, looking like needy people. Hmm? Say, well, I have physical needs. Well, listen, I'm not talking about that right now because those are fixed by this. They really are. Physical things in our lives, including including health, including uh, natural needs being met, they are fixed as a result of acknowledging what is, the finished work of the cross. Instead of viewing ourselves as naked, wretched, and blind. You know, it, it's, that, it's that beggarly mentality. And as a child of God, that's not who you are. You are in the family. You are royalty. 
you are a completed work in Christ. Someone said, well, I know, but outside of Christ, I'm not. But, but you're not outside of Christ, though. Why would we even focus on that? It sounds uh, humble to say, well, without the Lord, you know, I'm nothing. And that's a true statement. I can show you scripture, you know, and if you think you're all that, let's go over them. <laughs> you know, if it's, uh, you know what I'm talking about? But most of us know that, I think. We know that, that the, the Christian life is impossible to live unless you, it's him living through you, unless it's Christ in me, the hope of glory, right? Uh, unless I allow him to live through me, it's impossible. But now that I know that, I shouldn't be reminding myself every day of, you know, you're without or we, you're, a, you're just a human. Well, not just a human. I'm a Christ indwelt human. I'm a spirit-empowered human. I'm a life changed by God. Not going to change. He already did it. That's why a person from the very first day they get born again, they can rise up and live a powerful, close relationship with God, overcoming the circumstances of life. Hmm. Many times people put these things off into a different level of maturity. Hey, well, I have, to, I have to do a lot of growing, and I believe in growth in that, in that regard, okay? I have to do a lot of growing. That's why I have so many problems. Listen, I read about people in the New Testament in, in the ministry of Jesus. Number one, they weren't born again because it wasn't available yet. But secondly, they didn't have a history of being, being a part of a good faithful church, going through a discipleship program, getting connected with others in, relation, you know, uh, in relationship, and just doing a lot of the things that we know and that help our lives. They didn't have that. They heard a message. They heard a teaching. And they said, you know what? I'm going to take that. And they believed it just like that and Terminal conditions were healed. Their whole life was changed and put on a new course. That doesn't mean they didn't have any development of their soul that needed, needed to take place. But you can have victory on day one. You can have overcoming power working in your life from the very first day that you hear the message. Amen. This, this, in many of our lives, is a process that we're growing into in all areas of truth. But the, at the same time, if it's the first thing you've heard, or if maybe you've acted on nothing up until this point, I believe this message can set you free right here, right now, and everything will be different. Why? Because it is. Not, because it's not about God deciding to do it or Him having a timeline and some point in the future He wants to move in your life. He has already done it. Thank you, Lord. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Thank you, Lord. Notice in verse 30, 130, it reads, But of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God, and righteousness, and sanctification, and redemption. Notice, Jesus became these things for us. And because we are in Christ, then I have in me Jesus, who is my righteousness, sanctification, my wisdom, my redemption. These, again, are present tense realities of my life. Okay? 
Uh, it's not about me doing it on my own. I'll never be on my own again. You'll never be without Christ again. And so he will always be there and he is your help and your hope. And so we're not crying out to God, help. No, thank you, Lord, you have helped. You are my helper perpetually on the inside. You continue to strengthen me every day of, of every moment. Amen. The outward man perishes. In other words, you know, our uh, hair color changes and skin changes and people are going to grow old. That's a part of being a, in this, this physical life in this earth. But the Bible says the inward man is renewed day by day. God set it up to where you'd be made brand new and you would stay new. You would stay new on the inside, stay strong. And and, and so praise God for that. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Are you seeing that this is widespread through the New Testament? 1 Peter chapter 2. Notice over here in verse 24. It reads, Who himself, that's Jesus, bore our sins in his own body on the tree that we, having died to sins, might live for righteousness. So Jesus already bore. We have already died to sins. Therefore, we can live. Past is certain, allowing the present to be empowered. It says, by whose stripes you might be healed. Oh, excuse me. Uh, by whose stripes you are going to be healed. Oh, excuse me. By whose stripes you were healed. Now, we know this were is a past tense word. You saying I'm already healed too? Absolutely. You see, Peter is quoting um, Isaiah 53. And Isaiah was a prophet, and he looked into the future, way into the future, and he said this this way, because he looked into the future by the Spirit of God revealing Jesus that he would suffer and die, and he said, and by his stripes we are healed. And so him looking into the future said, we are healed by that. Then Peter, after the cross, looked back and said, by his stripes we were healed. And so that is the present tense condition of all believers is that we've already been healed. See, that doesn't that mess up trying to get healed? <laughs> well, it sure seems to contradict the Scripture that says we already are. We done were healed by the power of God. Now, I know sometimes people say, well, you know, I believe that. I, I believe by his stripes we were healed. But, uh, you know what but means? But means forget everything else I said before the but. But I just disqualified myself and my situation is different, my circumstances is different, but it's not working in me. No, 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 no. What we're doing there is we are exalting our circumstance, our experience above the word of God. And you have every right to do that. God will let you get away with it. <laughs> in other words, it won't, it won't be a reality in your physical life. But we have got to use the word of God and say, no, I'm going to stay with God's word. His word says I am, therefore I am. By his stripes I were, so I is. I'm healed today. It just is that way. Yeah. So, so 
I can't even walk. Wait, wait, well, let's check. Let's see if you can. Let's see. By his stripes, you were healed. I, I guess you'd be wrong about that. I guess you can walk. Well, look at me. No, 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 no. Why would I do that? Why would I magnify the physical world and put it above the word of God? You're saying I should just believe that I'm healed because the Bible says? I'm saying that's what God intends for us to do. Hmm. When I read the scripture, I find out I can't be weak anymore. Say, well, in yourself, you are. I'm not talking about in myself. I is not in myself. I am in Christ. When I read the scripture, I can't be that way. When I read the scripture, I can't be defeated. I can't be a victim. I can't be uh, overcome. I cannot uh, be sick and diseased. I cannot be um, addicted. I cannot be overcome and bound by sin. I can't be. Say, well, you're not living in reality. No, I'm endeavoring to live in a different reality. I do. I refuse to make this physical world God. I refuse to make this physical world the final say and give it authority. I know this is different for some, and you think, man, I don't know if that can, if that's real life. It is for a whole lot of people who have decided, you know what, I'm going to take God exactly at His word. It's called walking by faith and not by sight. Now, I, my, my doctor says I can't, or my body says I can't, or my history, or all those around me say I can't do this, this, and this. Uh, but I, when I read the word, I see that I can. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and act like God's true. Act like His word is correct. Act like it's already done. And so why would I seek, why would I continually cry out for God to heal me when his, he's already told me, inspired Peter to write this, that by his stripes you were healed. All right, go to Philippians 4. Oh, uh, on your way there, go to 1 John. I know it's the other direction, but it's a, take the loop. 1 John chapter 5, notice 1 John 5, 4, it reads, for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Anybody born of God in here? Say it out loud with me, I am a world overcomer. Don't see yourself as a defeated person, see yourself as an overcomer in Christ. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, that this is the victory, is, 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 that's now, the victory that has, past tense, overcome the world. What does it say? Our faith. Well, our faith in what? How many know our faith in that Jesus has already done it? (laughs) Jesus has already won the victory. He's already been raised from the dead. He has already defeated death and hell. He has won the victory on your behalf and in mine, and now I can rise up and take what is rightfully mine in Christ. All right, and so this is the victory that has overcome the world. Now, if he, now Philippians four. Uh, this is a verse that many of us know, quote a lot. 
It says, and my God, 419, Philippians 419, and my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Now, now, someone might say, I got you there, I think, because the Bible said shall. <laughs> it didn't it? Shall's a future word. And uh, say, what do you, you know, you might be thinking, what do you say about that, Mr. Past Tense? Uh, <laughs> shall is a future word. Well, that is a future word. Here's what, what we must recognize and how the Bible deals with this. Because I'm not reading every verse in the New Testament. I, I could show you a lot of future tense verses. But let's see from a redemptive standpoint how we deal with past, present, and future. Okay? Shall supply is a future word. It might not, I mean, one second from now is still future. But it is still future. We must notice that God deals with and shows us what is in the Spirit and what we're experiencing and what we're dealing with in the physical world, how we can take what is done and change what is seen in our lives. Because this is not a where we're trying to get to a place where we deny all physical surroundings and just say, okay, I know I, I can't move it, I'm broke, I'm all this kind of stuff, but I'm just supposed to ignore that and la, 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 I don't hear that, I don't hear that because uh, I'm just going with the word. No, what we're, the goal here is to take what is done by Jesus and change what's in the physical world. Okay, so shall supply has to do with natural life has to do with physical needs, has to do with, in their case, it's talking about finances because they had given in the offering and, and he was talking about God is going to supply, he shall supply your need. Say, what about the past tense stuff? That's in here too. Because he says, according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Do you know what that phrase means? By Christ Jesus, it refers to redemption. It refers to the finished work of the cross. In other words, the reason my needs can and will be met is because Jesus already met them. It's because Jesus broke the curse when he suffered and died and rose from the dead. And now because of what already is, my physical life needs will be met. The, the, because by his stripes we were healed, believers lay hands on the sick and they shall recover. I know the physical uh, experience of this can be future tense, but it must be based upon what's already done. That's what changes it. Go to Hebrews 4. Can we speed up a little bit? <laughs> uh, Hebrews chapter 4. See, because of all this, where does it leave us? It leaves us in a place where there's nothing else to do. And that's why we've got to stop doing. Stop trying. Stop striving. Stop trying to make stuff happen. And here's the word. If you know the Bible, Hebrews 4, the word now is rest. The word now is chill. No, what's the word, Pastor PJ? It's chillaxin? Chillaxin. All right. I've got to be up with the times. That's chilling and relaxing, I guess. 
But now we rest, meaning we stop trying to get what we already have. We believe it. Salvation is done. Healing already is. Prosperity is already in Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear lest any of you seem to come short of it. Now he's talking... Well, let's keep going. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them, but the word in which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So he's talking about those being the Old Testament uh, Jews, Israel coming out of Egypt into the promised land and, and, and so forth. They didn't mix faith with the word preached to them. And how many know that doesn't work? It just doesn't profit you. That's what the scripture says here. Uh, verse 3, for... for for we who have believed do enter that rest. Notice the language. Who rests? The believers. Those who believe rest. If you believe, you rest. If you don't believe, you don't rest. You believe, you rest. You don't believe, you don't rest. Everybody got that? In other words, striving, not resting. Trying to do, trying to make it happen, trying to get it, not resting. Not resting means not believing. Believe, not believing means no rest. If I'm resting, that's a symptom, it's an indication of believing. Once I believe, nice. Say, well, I'm not really there. Then you're not believing. I don't say I don't mean you don't have any faith. I didn't say that. I don't mean you can't believe. I mean because we're in one sense we're always believing something, but what we're believing is it's not already done. We're believing I have to add to this. I still have to work on this. As he said, uh, so I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. Okay, when you think about the foundation of the world and God's creation and all this, how many know He created the world in six days and then He rested? All right. Now, how many know God didn't rest on the seventh day because he was worn out? God has never been worn out. Isaiah chapter 40 and verse 28 says he neither faints nor grows weary. He, 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 he does not, God does not get worn out. When, when he rested after the six days, it was just because he was done. It, it, it was already done. The work was finished. It wasn't an ongoing project. He set it in motion, kind of like our born-again spirits. You know, he put plants that would reproduce. He put humans and said, be fruitful and multiply. He, he did all, all this stuff so it would perpetuate itself, like our spirits being renewed uh, day by day. All right? So he got it going, and, and he said, it's done. That's why he stopped creating. That's why he stopped doing something. And that is the picture of what we experience. Uh, let's see. Verse, verse 4. For he has spoken in a certain place. On the seventh day in this way. And God rested on the seventh day. From all his works. And again in this place. They shall not enter my rest. And so watch. In that time. The seventh day was called. The Sabbath day. Later when Moses brought the law. That was incorporated in the law. Where he said. You know, there was a lot of very strict regulations about the Sabbath that they could not work. And they basically could hardly lift a finger. Otherwise, they're in violation of Sabbath day laws. And, uh, of course, naturally speaking, that's a good principle to take days off. 
at least take a day off every week and, and don't work yourself. So there's some wisdom there, but that's not where we're, what we're talking about here. Okay, they, they were uh, commanded to not work on that day, even had a seventh year Sabbath where they couldn't work the crops after seven years. There was, there was multiple types of Sabbaths, in other words, times of rest. Uh, but what they were in is basically called a shadow. The Old Testament is filled with what are called types and shadows. They were prophetic pictures of what was to come. Okay, if, if we have a shadow, I see my shadow here. Uh, if, if that's all you could see, you wouldn't be able to describe me accurately, but you would be able to say... There's something there, looks like a person, they're approximately this shape. It's just kind of, you know, blurry. It's not real clear. In fact, the shadow is never as good as the real thing. You don't want to live in a shadow. You know, I can take my shadow here and, and hit some people with my shadow, but they'll never feel it. They'll never experience the blessing of that, right? But how many know the shadow is basically there to let us know that the real thing is coming or the real thing is near. There is something that's real or the shadow wouldn't exist. Throughout the Old Testament, we have many of these examples. Uh, The Sabbath is one of those things. It is a shadow. Can you see to what it is now? It It is a day that represents what? Done or rest, no longer working. And what does that point to? That points to Jesus, like everything does. (laughs) Points to Jesus on the cross, His finished work of redemption. And now the Bible says those who believe, what? Those who believe do enter into His rest. Say, well, what's the Sabbath now? And are we supposed to not work on Sunday or or Saturday in, in, in Old Testament times, and are we not supposed to work? It's not a, it has nothing to do with that now. I'd say take a day off. It's a good idea. But it has nothing to do with that spiritually. See, this is a picture of us stopping our efforts and acknowledging that the work of the cross, the work of what Jesus did, was and is complete. And there's nothing else I can add to it. And if I'm trying real hard to get my healing, I'm trying so hard to get blessed by God. Oh, God, I'm working. I am totally, uh, 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 I mean, at, at best in the shadow and not even in it. I need to come on over into the light and say, thank you, Lord. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. Now the work's already done. I just accept what is, and then I get to a place. We're going to get into this next time, but I start to appropriate. Appropriate what already is, okay? And so, uh, well, there's a lot we can say about this, but um, verse 6, since therefore it remains that some must enter it, and those to whom uh, they didn't enter because of unbelief. Uh, David talked about how there's still a rest coming, so it wasn't just their Sabbath day in the Old Testament. Um, Joshua spoke of another day in verse 9, verse 8. Verse 9 says, There remains therefore a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest, this is verse 10, has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. 
So you're saying we're not supposed to work anymore? This, this is not talking about your job. This is not talking about cleaning the house. It's not talking about washing the car. It's not talking about God being opposed to work. He's not. He created us to be productive, fruitful individuals. Use your body. Use your mind. Do something. Not referencing that at all. But what are we supposed to do? We are to cease from our works in trying to get blessed. Trying to get the things of God to happen. Trying to fix our lives. Trying to get free. We have got to believe and enter into a place where we say, it just is. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to live my life and act like it's so. That's faith right there in action. And that will cause the victory to manifest in your physical body, your mind, your emotions, your, your, your finances, your everything. Yeah. Verse 11 says, let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest. Lest anyone fall according to the same example of, of, of disobedience, which is unbelief. What does he say? Be diligent to enter in. So what am I going after? Some translations say labor to enter it. It almost sounds like a contradiction. Labor to enter rest. Which one? Well, the laboring is not trying to get. The diligence is not trying to get it to happen. The diligence is right up here. Or I'm going to change the way that I think and begin to adapt my mind, my mentality, my believing, my, my life. Adapt it to it's already done. Jesus completed the work. There's nothing else I need to do. God rested on the seventh day. And here I live in a, in a perpetual Sabbath. I'm always resting in the finished work of the cross. Nothing else I need to do but say, Hallelujah, thank you, Lord. And I feed on the Word, feed on Bible teaching, take whatever resources necessary to help my mind get settled in what is. That's, what I, that's, that's my only job. That's the only thing I'm trying to attain to or obtain is an established grace in my mind that says it's already finished. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Some of you might need to listen to this again. If that, was, if that was just like, whoa, 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 I don't think I got all that. This is worth spending time in meditating on. Let it get established and bring rest to your life. Father, we're so thankful today for your goodness and your mercy. Thankful for your great love. Oh, so thankful for all that you have brought us out of and all that you have brought us into. We have been transferred, conveyed into the kingdom of the Son of your love. Thank you, Lord, that what you, be, what, what you did in us, you did in us, and now it is. No longer what must we strive, because Jesus is alive. Thank you, Lord. There's nothing else for us to do but give thanks and praise to you. We accept what is. Thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Say it out loud with me, if you would. Believe with your heart to, today. Say it out loud. Say, Father God, I believe in you. I believe your word is true. What Jesus did, he did for me. Now there's nothing missing. Nothing lacking. I'm not broken. I'm fixed. Healing is. My needs are met. My life is full. I am not empty. 
but am complete. Thank you for your work in me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs> Glory to God. Glory to God.